You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. Good morning, Faith Church. How y'all doing today? Good. You awake? I know you are. I'm just kidding. All right. Hey, if you don't know me, I'm Brian Idy. I'm one of the elders here, and it is my privilege to, to be able to bring uh, the Word of God this morning. And if, if you don't have a, a Bible, uh, we would just I- invite you. We've got a number of them uh, in the back of the, the worship center here, and you can feel free to grab one now or on your way out. Uh, it's our, our gift to you, um, as we're really going to spend some time today on unpacking just something uh, of the wonder and, and of the power of God's Word. And, and it would be our, our delight uh, for you to take one of those. Would you join me if you're able and willing to, to stand uh, for the reading of God's Word? We're in Psalm 119 today. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, you may be seated. I want you to take that moment. We've all been there. That conversation, and sometimes it happens frequently with that someone that we probably can all readily identify. It's that conversation that no matter how many times we have said something that is valid and maybe even a better point in a disagreement, but that other person we're looking right at has always, no matter what we offer up, got to have the last word, right? You know those kind of scenarios, don't you? Sometimes it feels like they're not even listening to us. You just know that even if you put up your best point, there's going to be one that follows it, a yeah, but, or something that dismisses, right? We've all been there, right? Maybe you are that person. I I don't know. Uh, But let's, let's assume the best here this morning. But at the same point, hmm, I'm not letting any of us off the hook. Do you know Spiritually speaking, we all have a tendency to want the last word with God. Hmm. What? How do you mean that? Well, let me tell you. Uh, we're, we're talking about that tendency we have. You know, when God has communicated something rather clearly in his word, and we have that tendency to dismiss it to ignore it, or maybe to hope that, hey, we can come back later and maybe ask for forgiveness. It's easier to do that, right? Uh, you, you get what I mean? Listen, I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm telling you, we all do it. I'm looking at me, all right? We all have a, a sense in which, oh, did he really say that in his word? Now, uh, I, I say that when we do that, de facto, uh, we're, we're wanting we're hoping, we're insisting on having that last word with God. So as we think about this, uh, you know, what we really want to kind of begin to look at 
uh, is how we might change that. Now, if we're being honest, in truth, none of us gets the last word with God. We, we only deceive ourselves into thinking as much, right? The scripture makes it clear. Let me put out just one of the plain ones, right? Uh, we, we can go uh, right here with the, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of, the, of God will stand forever, right? I, that's code for God gets the last word. So we know that it's only a deception, but nonetheless, how can we more readily and agreeably posture ourselves before God's word so that he might have just a vol on a voluntary level, right? That, that last word in our lives. So the pattern that we will see in, in today's psalm uh, is going to demonstrate that posture and approach. And, and I hope that uh, you will uh, take away something of a benefit here, which I think is a very practical discussion, right? And so uh, not that not that our other endeavors in the scripture are less than practical, but you'll see what I mean. But before we go there entirely, maybe just a quick overview of Psalms as a whole. If you're newer to the scriptures, maybe some of this would just be helpful for you to know what, what are the Psalms? Well, I think, you know, we can just kind of sum it up as a sacred song. There's a collection of 150 Psalms. And in these, right, we've got Psalms that are written songs that are of different genres, by different, you know, composers, if you will, right? Uh, so we've got a number of, of writers in here. Um, Psalm 119, which we are going to look at in part today, is actually the longest. If you didn't know, it is formed of 22 stanzas. And those 22 stanzas form uh, an acrostic based on the Hebrew alphabet. And they go literally from Aleph uh, all the way through uh, to the final, uh, the final letter of the, the Hebrew alphabet. It's literally, it's essentially providing the A to Z of what it is to follow after God. That, that's the, the essence uh, of the, the format there. And so it's helpful to kind of know that. One other question before we move on. Why are the Psalms included in the scripture? And I think that's a, just a, a great uh, place to remind us of a few things. It is clear as day, and some of, you, some of you have routinely turned to the Psalms. You know this. You don't need me to tell you this. But you'll find that the Psalms resonate with a depth uh, in our life experience because the psalmist or the songwriter is reflecting on a variety of situations of life. And there's enough in there that we can see or, or find ourselves in them, but they're not too specific to the songwriter that somehow we get lost in that, right? So it's rich and it's beautiful because anything and everything that we might be going through, whether the high points of life or the low points or anywhere in between, there is a song, there is a psalm that reflects that. Secondly, partly because of that, and partly because you've got poetry set to music, they do, they capture our hearts, they resonate with us, and they're intended to. God, as we're gonna see so clearly in our psalm today, God 
God doesn't just want our mind alone. He wants our heart. And there really is no division for a true believer. Heart and mind are part of the same equation. But, but the Psalms have a way of doing that. Uh, they do it as they get kind of underneath us in a way that simply a historical account or a logical teaching can't or typically does not at least. Now finally, obviously these 150 songs have a clear obvious reminder that you and I are created to worship. We are made for the worship of God. And so that sometimes looks like song. We've just been singing songs of praise. But the idea of worship is much broader than just our singing, okay? And, and the Psalms remind us of that very thing. Well, let's take just a little bit uh, of opportunity as we are going to begin to jump into this psalm, I will say that I love to lift up a joyful noise. I, I don't proclaim myself to be a great singer, but you're going to be hard-pressed to keep me from worshiping uh, in song here as we join together. I won't, though try to sing you this song this morning, okay? You'll be spared from any of that. But as we continue through Psalm 119, this little stanza of it, I want you to remember, don't forget, this isn't a, just a straight, cold teaching, right? This, the songwriter is singing these words. There's, there's a feel and a power in, in that whole, whole vibe of it, right? So imagine music and singing the best you're able. Uh, and remember that our question this morning is how, how are we going to develop that posture and that approach to life that allows God to have the last word. So two, two principles we're gonna, we're gonna unpack. The first of them I've got up here that we see in this psalm, the opening line of the psalm makes very clear uh, that there is a, a passion for pleasing God. All right, and we'll try, to, we'll try to make a tight case for all of this, right? The, the simple question is how can a young man keep his way pure? You know, it's kind of an interesting thing that we've got this, uh, this question right off here. Now, we would be well reminded that the first stanza and the second stanza of the song are not entirely disconnected, right? So we're, we're starting this, you know, investigation of Psalm 119. We're starting it in the Hebrew letter Beit, the second stanza. The first stanza, Aleph, actually relates to it, though. So uh, if we were to go back, that first stanza has already laid the foundation of saying, hey, there's a call to walk in God's ways, okay? And so really, as this second stanza picks up, it's not a, just a random question, right, that, that we've already looked at in the previous stanza. You and me are made to walk according to God's ways above and beyond our own. And the psalmist is just asking an honest question. How, how can we do that? And that's where this passion for pleasing God is going to find its way in. Now, it, we should also just kind of mention, you know, obviously to walk in his ways as the first stanza has put out there is a metaphor for seeking to live a life according to a manner that pleases him. All right. Before we jump any further into this, we've already put out there a passion for pleasing God, a, a recognition that you and I are made to walk in his ways. I need to make a disclaimer here. And, and it's really important that we're all on the same page with this. This psalm 
is not suggesting something that you and I are so commonly tempted to believe. What do we believe? We so often believe that if we can only live good enough, that somehow we can earn a place in heaven. We've got different ways we think this or say this, right? We talk about our good deeds outweighing our bad deeds. Uh, We talk about some sense of God overlooking some things because we've done good in other areas, right? This, This conversation that we are embarking on this morning, it's not... It's not with any sense uh, of giving us the idea that we can earn our way into heaven, okay? We we need to be clear on that. That There is that temptation for all of us. Even long-time believers can fall into a performance basis for approaching God. It is so easy to do. We, we, we go on one hand uh, to, you know, living a life that is so concerned about that. On the other hand, we can live without much care at all for the way we live. Uh, and, and we can go back and forth. We've got to keep a clear reminder that there is only one way we're made right with God. And, and, and that is recognized. And we sang about it this morning already. But we sang uh, about that sin nature that's in all of us. Only Jesus could live the pure life pleasing enough to God to overshadow our bad deeds, if you would. It, it is his perfect life that, that makes it possible for our sins to be canceled, possible for us to be given a new nature, possible for us to be raised to life in a, in a resurrection body, right? And, and so I just put it out to here this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus to be the final word for your sin, right? It's not about your good deeds or making up for them. If you've never trusted him for that, hey, I, I want to I just invite you to ask the question, what keeps you from laying down your zeal for your own efforts or your confidence in your good works to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to let Jesus and his good works be what cancels my sin and overshadows my bad deeds. If, if you're in that boat this morning, I want to lovingly encourage you. Let today be a day that you stop striving to earn your way before God. His invitation is free. It's immediate. It's available to you no matter what you've done or where you've been. Don't let anything keep you from his promise, all right? I want to invite you uh, to, to really take that to heart. There is no being good enough. But back to our main discussion here with the assumption that we recognize only Jesus can cancel our sin, we are called, the followers of Christ, to live a pure life. We are called to walk in purity. We are called to be growing in this. And so why why is this addressed to a young man? Oh, to be sure. This applies to all of us, the ladies as well as the men, young as well as the old. But let's just give a few basics. Some of it can be a little bit humorous, although it's not intended to be, right? Uh, we just kind of recognize as we're thinking about this uh, that young men oftentimes need more time to mature, right? We've, we've got words for this. Yeah, do you know the word sophomore? I, I happen to teach high school students, right? Do you know what the word sophomore means? It literally means wise fool, 
Did, did you know that? <laughs> Wise fool, right? It's a great word for sophomores. Hey, uh, they're, no longer, they're no longer so green behind the ears as a freshman is, all right? Uh, but like so many people, they don't necessarily know what they don't know, right? Uh, so we recognize, especially, uh, the girls tend to be a little ahead of the guys uh, as far as uh, maturation, but we would recognize, especially, guys need a little more time to bake, okay? Um, and it's not necessarily a given that they're gonna get there quick. Our culture has pushed off this idea of adulthood, right? Used to be by 18, you were supposed to be ready. Now we kind of say 25 and who knows, maybe next year it'll be 30, I, I don't know, okay? But this whole concept, when we start talking about how can a young man keep his way pure, let's cut to the chase. And I'm going to look at young people somewhat. I see some up in this uh, front area, but uh, maybe you're elsewhere too. But there is an expectation that runs countercultural that says you are called to live a life that is spiritually mature. And there should be a growing sense in which you are willing to put off the immature or the, uh, the, the worldly ways of, of our culture and to put on spiritual wisdom. There's a sense in which you're called to grow in that that is just very, very clear. Now, you might be thinking, oh, this is great. Especially older people in the room, you might, yeah, the younger people, they need to hear that. Now, let's be equal opportunity here, all right? Because I wanna just turn the perspective a little bit. I think we have a lot of adults in the church who are spiritual infants or spiritual teenagers who are being called as young people spiritually to step up and recognize, hey, we've got a call to walk in purity. There's an expectation that you'll grow and that you'll mature and it doesn't matter how old you are. There's not any guarantee that you have arrived in spiritual maturity just because you have advanced in years, okay? These two are not uh, a given and uh, that there'll be a correlation there. So the question really should speak to us all, right? Um, you, you know the conversations, uh, by the way, they are laughable. You have with, with teenagers sometimes, oh, why did you do that? What were you thinking? And of course, you know that the fog that can come over the eyes, uh, I don't know, right? But, but again, uh, coming back to uh, spiritual infancy or spiritual immaturity can exist in any age group. Sometimes spiritually speaking, we have the same response. If we were to evaluate our lives spiritually, if we've been through a dry period of our life spiritually, or if we've made some bad decisions, we recognize oh, my sins and my wrongdoings are catching up with me. Somebody might say, well, why did you do that? And we might say, I don't know, all right? Here is just, again, the call to recognize this. This question is deeper and more relevant for us than we might initially be inclined to see. We might be quick to dismiss it, right? And so as we're, you know, thinking about this very thing, we, we just want to understand with the weight of this question, there is that expectation for spiritual maturity. We want to turn our focus now to say, okay, uh, I, see, I see somewhat where you're going, but how do we do that? 
because it's easier said than done, right? Uh, it's not a given that even if you can tell me the right answers, that you would say, yeah, that, that worked for me rather instantly, right? Uh, can, can I frame the rest of our, our discussion here today? If, if, if there's something that I'm saying that you're tracking with that says, hey, I am not where I want to be spiritually. I would like to grow. I'd like to mature. But I either don't know how or sometimes I get frustrated on the things that I think should work don't have a very immediate, you know, result. You know what? You're in the same boat as the most of us in that regard. Can, can I just ask, would you be willing to consider a long game on this? I don't have anything that I can say that is going to generate an immediate different you uh, by next Thursday. And isn't it so in our hearts to want that quick fix, right? Whether it's weight loss programs or get out of debt or whatever, we, we want it done like now. And, and I'm saying God has purposely intended for your spiritual maturity to be a long game, one that involves taking on less than glamorous approaches over the long haul. It's called a discipline. We don't like that word in general, but yeah, there's a, there's a spiritual discipline that's involved. And so we're going we're gonna to walk through that, all right? So we, we've already mentioned here the idea of a passion for pleasing God, but we're asking how do we develop that? Uh, that brings us to our second major point. We had that hint in the last part that there's a guarding according to his word. Well, as we think about this, it is going to be related to the second point that we will accomplish this. We're going to prioritize God's word. A prioritizing of God's word is going to be central to this. And here again, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you're like, oh yeah, I've heard that before, the Bible, okay, yeah. But of course, but we'll look at some practical things here for putting it into action. And, and so as we, we go further, the first idea that the psalmist is mentioning is the idea of storing up God's word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Well, that seems simple enough. We store up his word, but we got to say, the Christ follower has a responsibility to be actively pursuing God's word. I got to say that right now because we live at a time where even many in the church are discounting the need. We're emotion-driven. We don't like reading as a whole. And we are prone to think that somehow we've got enough of the knowledge in us that we really don't need to hear more of the same thing. Can I push back on that? That attitude isn't reflected here in this psalm. And if you want to go deeper and grow spiritually mature, you've got to push back against that. I, I, our culture is going to say something so radically different than, than the tune of this song, you see? And so we've got this obligation to seek after, right? And in this, notice that's storing up. It's an active kind of routine 
posture before God and says, I'm going to take your words seriously. I'm going to be in them. I'm going to be familiar with them. I'm going to seek out teachings. I will be active in my involvement in, in the preached word. I'll be active throughout the week in pursuing God's word on my own time just by myself. That's part of this storing up. Right, So that, that kind of just invites us to ask a question, how are you doing there? Right? I'm not here to wag my finger at you this morning, but I, I, I do think we need to put ourselves in front of a spiritual mirror and say, hey, where, where are you at in pursuing God's word? How, are, how would you rate yourself in storing up these words? Are you involved in a routine reading? When I say routine, I don't mean, did you ever miss a day? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, is it more of the pattern than the exception that you're in God's word on your own time? I, I, try, I try to make space each day for, for even just a little bit of God's word, right? Chapter, two or three chapters, right? A reading plan. We'll talk more about that a, a little bit later. But this whole idea isn't simply a drudgery, right? We, we can see it's with the whole heart that the psalmist is seeking after God's word. It's, it's not just, oh, I got to do this, nor is it, oh, God's rules. There are so many of them. It's just, what's the point? No, there is a passion within the heart, a passion that is every bit as strong as some people would exhibit to worship in song, is found to pursue and to know God through the reading of his word. And I'm going to say specifically to our younger people, hey, so often our culture presents Pursuing God is something that should be just an experience, and it should fall on you, and it should be like, whoa, that was awesome. Hey, sometimes in God's goodness, he provides that. But more often than not, what is needed is the heart of the psalmist here to say, I'm going to be looking to encounter you through a routine pursuit of storing up your words in my heart. That is not counter, uh, that is not cultural, that is countercultural, but it is, it is what the psalmist is saying. So there's a humility in here that obviously recognizes our need. Uh, and that, that humility, I think, is all too often not present, even amongst many in the church. Well, you will become strong as you begin to do this. This is, again, not the quick fix, it's the long, long game. Well, let's take a look at the second one. Uh, that's meditating on God's word. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And this idea is obviously built on the previous one, right? You, you first stored up the words and now you're able to meditate on them. And this is not some kind of Eastern kind of Zen thing where you're emptying your mind and creating a vacuum. No, <laughs> this is, I am continuing to ponder the Word of God. It's, it's already been on my mind because I've been storing it up, but I'm, I'm continuing to actively think about it, to think about how I might live according to it, to, to think about what difference it might make in my life. And, you know, in this, there's obviously just, there's so many ways you can reflect on it. Do you see something of God's beauty? 
something of who he is in the passage. There's a sense of worship, just pondering what the verse has to say that way. Maybe it's something uh, of a warning uh, or a truth, a promise that's to regularly give us hope. We saw a lot of those things in the book of Ephesians. Oh, so many things that we can kind of reflect on and, and really allow to sink into our minds and our hearts. But, but God's word isn't meant to go in one ear and out the other. It's not just for recall later when you might need it, right? It is for a daily kind of, mm, there's a worship that goes on as we stir up his word in recalling it in our own hearts throughout the, the week, all right? And so you might think of it this way. Uh, I kind of like this. I love, I love to grill, at least to try, right? Uh, we got a new grill, and I'm enjoying uh, some of this. Got, got all sorts of gadgets with it, right? A uh, wireless, like, thermometer, and it's like, oh, I'm on the phone. It's like, it's cool. But um, anyway, <laughs> it still hasn't perfected my meat. I'm trying. But, you know, a good marinade, right? You mar- marinate that meat? Oh, it can make it so tender, and it can definitely, you know, uh, change the flavor of that meat. I want to say this very clearly. God has intended our souls to be marinating in his word throughout the week. The longer you allow that to kind of sit and to soak in, hey, God will flavor your thoughts. God will make your heart tender for things that you hadn't previously been tender for. God, over the long game, Hey, a marinade only does a limited work if you go for just a couple hours, right? But you let it soak for a long time, and it'll change things drastically. His word is meant to have that kind of impact on your life. And I've been recalling, even as I've been preparing for this sermon, that God, some things that I prayed for when I was in college, I just realized, hey, God, God has really been changing me. You know, at the long game, it might have taken a few decades for some of this to work, right? Uh, I'm not claiming instant success here, but I'm just looking back and marveling, Lord, you, you have really put new things in my heart. Uh, and it surprised me because you realize, oh, that's taken 20 or 30 years. Uh, but yeah, the marinade and that delight. If you're not at a place where you say, oh, delight is part of my experience. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was part of mine initially either. It's growing in me but it's the long game. Don't give up on putting the word in. It's not meant to be a drudgery. And over time, if it is now, uh, that can change. Well, you know, as we continue to look at this, we just kind of recognize one thing. Uh, So many people seem to overlook it. Uh, What I'm asking you to consider really isn't something meaningless or impractical. My students will often ask, when will we ever use this? Right? You know the question. Uh, This isn't meant to be one of those kind of things. God's words are living and active. They're able to transform us from the inside out. They had the power to bring this world into existence from nothing. And God intends fully to get things done in you uh, through his words. Will will you have uh, just the, the willingness uh, to meditate on them and to store them up in your heart? And finally, Hmm, to declare God's words. With my lips, I declare all the rules of my mouth. In the ways of your testimony, I delight as much as all in all riches. 
this is again a long, a long haul, a uh, long game approach, right? Uh, I know it wasn't in my heart as I started out to say God's word is better than a fat wallet, okay? But I think the longer you spend soaking in it, you start realizing along with the disciples, Peter said, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's good stuff right there. You realize, hmm, I'm not trading in anything for this. Notice the sense of willing to declare. And listen, I find even amongst those who know the word some, we have a tendency to shrink back, to shy away from letting that come out in our conversation with one another. And I want to speak very practically here on this. You know, what we are passionate about, what we've been putting in, can't help but come out, come out in our conversation. You know the person that's passionate about his or her business? They'll talk business with you even if you don't care, right? Uh, you know the person that, that is like delusional thinking the Bucks will win today? Uh, they, they can't help but talking about the Bucks, right? I mean, I'm sorry. I, I got on the Bucks bandwagon for a little bit. I'm a 7-1 I'm a Vikings fan. I'm hoping they'll do it against the Bills. I don't have any trouble talking with my sons daily. My wife probably gets tired of hearing and all this passion for the Vikings. It comes out, right? <laughs> I don't know what you're passionate about, but I guarantee you, you ask the people around you, do I talk about what I'm passionate about? (laughs) Yeah, right? Why is it that we are so tight-lipped with thinking about the weighty, eternal words of God that have been at work to promise us something better than we could ever hope for and something greater uh, and more transformative than anything else in our lives? Maybe we've got something out of alignment, right? And I just want to challenge you lovingly to say, if you don't have that passion on, hmm, this psalm invites us to recalibrate. It invites us to pray. I love the simple act of praying some of the scriptures that I see. We'll talk about that in just a second. But this whole psalm is so short, this stanza, that you could turn it into a prayer and hmm, maybe, maybe the words uh, aren't readily on your mouth because you need to develop something more of the previous two items to store up and to meditate. And I think it'll show up uh, very, very naturally then. So uh, let's just kind of, we'll, we'll try to wrap up quickly here. How can I grow in the discipline of reading God's word? I want, I want to put out four very clear and very quick practical steps. I love you enough to say that if you're not on a Bible reading plan, if you really intend to walk in the faith and not enter the gates of heaven as a spiritual infant, you need to get yourself on a spiritual uh, track here of, of reading God's word. That, that's non-negotiable, right? It just is. And, and I'm not trying to be heavy-handed here. This is the means that God has created for your faith to most flourish. You can try 
an approach without it, but I guarantee you, you will find yourself stunted in your spiritual growth if you are not finding yourself routinely in front of his words. His words, living and active, are meant to recalibrate our soul day in and day out. They're meant to give us a passion. They're meant to equip us. We sang about it earlier, his word being kind of that power as we battle against sin and temptation, right? If you're not putting it in, how do you expect to show up to the spiritual battle with anything of a chance? God's intention is for you and I to be equipped and to be flourishing under his good words. It takes humility. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It won't just happen. You've got to plan it. All right? And so what does that look like? There are a bazillion Bible plans. You can get it in hard copy. You can go online. You, you version Bible. There's a bazillion of them. Listen, we can talk offline uh, all day long about some Bible plans, but you need to get on one. And I don't even mean you need to be perfect and reading it every single day. Hey, develop a pattern. That's more often than not, right? Jot down uh, one idea every time you read. Uh, for some of you, this will seem really foreign. But I want to tell you what. Take away one thing, and don't just be that guy that says, I got it up here, right? Write it down. It's part of that meditating because you're putting it out there on paper. You're giving yourself another chance, or you could do it digitally, right? You can put it in notability if you're an iPad person, but I'm just saying, jot it down and then pray about it. If it's something you observed about God, praise him for it. If If it's a warning to heed, Pray, Lord, help me to be wise in this area. If it is a promise to believe, pray according to that promise that it would become more real in your life. There are all sorts of ways you can take one thing each time you read and turn it to a prayer. I'm telling you what, God loves to answer prayers that are rooted in his word. Thirdly, talk about what you're reading with somebody. Find somebody that has a heart for his word and bring up some conversation, go deeper, go further with it. It's part of what God has for us, right? I want to be a part of a church that people love to talk about his word. Folks, we need to stir each other up to this very thing. This is how we will grow as a congregation. Finally, invest in some helpful resources. Dylan's got a book, right, uh, that, that would help us with that very thing. Uh, there are some other great books, some other great resources. I can recommend some for you offline. If you uh, want uh, Gordon Fee, uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth comes to mind, okay? But uh, anyway, it can be very helpful if you're newer to the scriptures. But anyway, th- those four things are just some basics, right? And so as, as we wrap up, uh, I, I, wanna, I wanna bring this to a close. I want, I want to ask you to, to ponder where you're at with this whole thing. Maybe you've got that reading plan, but you say, hey, there's something of a passion that I'm lacking. That's a great place to bring a prayer right, into this. That's a great response for you uh, to, to come with. Maybe uh, you, know, you say, hey, I don't have that reading plan. I'll, again, let's get into it. Uh, can I speak bluntly to the men? Oftentimes we say, oh, that's kind of something for the ladies to do. I don't know why we say that. But men, you're expected to put your hand to the plow and to really pick up the words of God. If you're a married man, you're expected to, uh, if you go back to Ephesians 5, to wash your wife in the word. How can you do that? Uh, How can you be reminding her of the word if you're not in it yourself? Teenagers, 
It doesn't make any sense to the world around us, but you need to be young people of the word that are are holding on to those words and valuing them more than than the voice of culture and the voice of your your inner experience, okay? Uh, I'm just saying it flat out, right? We've got an obligation, but let's stir each other up to recognize something of the delight that we can find in God's word. This is what is going to propel us into spiritual growth. Let's Let's not be in a perpetual spiritual immaturity, church. Right? I want to go ahead and, and close in prayer. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you have spoken your words, words of life to our very hearts, Lord. Would you give us the humility to allow you to have the last word in our lives? Would you give us a sense Uh, uh, of renewed purposefulness in pursuing you in your word. Would you give us help where we struggle in that? We know that your word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Would you use it to get your work done in us? It's God-breathed and it's able uh, to profit us, to make us complete and equipped for every good work. Lord, in so many cases, uh, we don't have the goodness of your blessings because we don't ask for them. We don't seek after them. But help us, like the psalmist, Lord, to keep our way pure. We ask that you would help us to guard our ways according to your word. We pray for that whole heart that would seek you in your word so that we wouldn't wander from your calling and your commands. God, help us to store that up, that we would not sin against you. Oh, God, your, your word is exceedingly good. Teach us your words. And with our lips, Lord, let us be quick to proclaim them. Transform us that we would delight in your word as much as in all riches. Help us that we would meditate on your precepts and fix our eyes on your ways. Let us not grow weary in that, but lead us to delight in your statutes that we would not forget your word. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in this congregation to make us wise and to bring spiritual maturity and a heart and a passion for you greater than what we even currently have, that you would receive the glory and that our community would see and sense just something of the flavor of your word in our lives. We, we ask these big and bold requests, and we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us these things. In Jesus' name, amen.